Welcome to my Japanese Green Tea Podcast, the Green Tea Show with a Japanese Twist. And now your host, Ricardo Caicedo. Hello tea lovers, my name is Ricardo Caicedo and I blog at myjapanesegreentea.com uh, where I also have a podcast. Today's podcast is very special because it's actually a joint podcast with my friend TJ Williamson of the World Tea Podcast. Uh, we're, we're both going to publish this podcast in our sites at the same time. Hi, TJ. Thanks for inviting me to this podcast team up. Hey, thank you for spending the uh, time there, Ricardo. I know we're uh, battling time zones, but I'm glad the social media universe has aligned and uh, we're able to share this podcast time together and uh, discuss all about, uh, well, as your website tells us, Japanese green tea. And since we've both been to Japan, I believe you're... Uh, Japanese is a bit more advanced than my own, but uh, we share a love for the uh, for Japanese green tea, and I'm all ready to discuss about it. And today we are going about cultivars. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to start with, um, what was your first time that, that you encountered Japanese green tea? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so my experience with Japanese green tea, and well, Japan in, uh, as a whole, began in the November of 2012 is when I had, for my schooling, for my business school, we had to do a project where it was either stay in Canada and be joined with the business and help them out or f find your own um, uh, project that to take care of for your business. So my decision was to go actually uh, go overseas. I wanted to get out of Canada. I wanted to go see the world. I wanted to explore. So uh, I was originally go to Mexico, then I was supposed to go to Ireland, then I was supposed to go to Finland, and then everything was ready to go. I was going to go to Finland, and all of a sudden, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm talking, asking people about tea, because, hey, I like tea, why not learn more about the industry? And I met a, got a response from one Elise Peterson, who is now the uh, owner of Tealet, and she told me about this amazing internship over in Japan, hey, you can go work on a tea farm, I'm thinking, awesome, I can go work on a tea farm. So, within two weeks of that email, I was on a plane uh, flying to Japan, and I stayed there for f five months, and from January 2013 till mid-May, and I was working with the Kyoto, Kyoto Obubu Tea Plantation, and I was helping them out. I started farming tea, I started drinking tea, I started learning all about Japanese tea, and I could rant and talk and discuss and about <laughs> that experience for <laughs> several hours, but um, I will, I'll pass it on to you, and that's how I learned about uh, Japan and uh, Japanese tea. Uh, Ricardo, how did you learn about uh, Japanese tea? Uh, first, I was interested in in Japanese and Japanese culture. So what what I did first was I, I I had a lot of friends in the university. I went to university in the U.S. and I was studying engineering. So there were a lot of of Japanese, and I started getting into the learning the language. I took a Japanese course, and as as part of the learning the language, I I went to Japan for a year to study Japanese. Oh, cool. Where'd you stay? I stayed in, in Chiba Prefecture oh, Chiba. in a oh, nice. city called Funabashi. Oh, cool, cool. The, sc the school was actually in, in Tokyo, in Suidobashi. Oh, okay. I never made it up that far. I was uh, just stuck in the Kansai region. I was uh, just a little bit north of Nara in a little town called Wazuka. And uh, oh, yeah. I, I made it down to uh, uh, Hiroshima. I had to take the Shinkansen all the way down. But I wanted to go up to Tokyo. Uh, I had some people I wanted to meet, but I was never able to uh, go up because it was like 
five hundred U.S. dollars to take the train up there. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> but uh, awesome. And so, did you visit any tea farms while you're uh, uh, around Tokyo, or did you just start visiting a lot of tea shops and drinking green tea, or how did you become uh, more aware of Japanese tea? I I started just drinking it because it's so popular. Very much. So, but yeah. at, at the beginning, I, I didn't pay like much attention. But then I got more into it when I came back to the U.S. Yeah, that, that's what that was when I started researching more about it. And since I I know a little Japanese, I I could read in Japanese blogs and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. So, just a little bit. Don't don't be so modest, Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that's why I said, well, th there's a lot of information that's not being shared. Mm -hmm. And that, that's when I started the, the blog. I found that interesting when I was over with um, Obubu. And you got a podcast, so anyone's listening, go check out uh, Ricardo's po podcast. Uh, you interviewed with uh, uh, Simono Aki and Matsu. Uh, sorry, I've been, over the past week, I've been listening to all your podcasts. Just to, uh, Thank they're, you. they're really good. They're really good. I like them. And um, yes, yeah, so that, I was with um, uh, Simona. Uh, in Obubu, and of course, she's from. Uh, oh my God, she's gonna hit me because I forget she's Lithuania, Lithuania, Latvia. No, Lithuania. She's I from Lithuania. Yeah, she's from Lithuania. Lithuania. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's an ongoing joke that I, I get the two mixed up, which is um, very uh, poor etiquette on my part. But um, no, she's big uh, Japanese, and she's uh, reading through all the blogs and learning about all these tea. And I'm sitting there. Well, the most training I've had in Japanese was that aircraft magazine that I read on the flight over. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, you learn, there's so much uh, about Japanese uh, tea, especially, of course, written in uh, Japan, but a lot of it hasn't been uh, translated over into English, a lot of the, um, uh, the research documents, I would imagine. Uh, there's a lot, plenty of blogs out there, and I'll link a few in my uh, show notes, uh, especially ones relating to cultivars, as we'll be talking about later today. But I would really uh, like to get my hands on some English-translated uh, Japanese uh, tea articles, or I can just uh, learn Japanese. But I imagine, uh, <laughs> was there anything unique you discovered, anything that jumped out of you when you're doing any of your research, or uh, anything of note? Uh, I think I'm, I'm one of the first that, that actually started writing an article about each cultivar. Yeah, I saw that. That's one of the main things that, um, I mean, it's right on your head page of your website. I'm looking at it now. And, uh, but it, it's still only about 30% complete, so yeah, <laughs> a, lo a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. Are you going to do articles on each individual cultivar? I see you're making your way through them. There's several links on you can click on. A yeah, so some of them are, are very old, and it's, it's I, I couldn't find pictures, mm -hmm. and I'm not even sure if, if, if it's worth mentioning them because the information available is so little. I'd say but any information. I'm trying my is best for, worth for each one. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, to bring people up to date, I am currently drinking a uh, uh, a Cabuse Sencha, which is, of course, as uh, Ricardo will note, a Yabukita cultivar, and <laughs> which is the most popular uh, cultivar in all of Japan. Uh, currently, what is it, around 93% in the high 90s of uh, tea produced within Japan is of the Yabukita cultivar. I don't know the latest figure, but I think in That's 70. maybe 2010, it was like 80% or something. Yeah, it's 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 a high percentage of the tea in uh, Japan is cultivated, is harvested from the Yabukita cultivar. And I, I'm just going to um, jot in here, 
for those who don't know what a cultivar is, a cultivar is a designation for a uh, plant or a for, or, or a tree or <clears throat> any botanical uh, uh, growth that has had human intervention to help it propagate. So when we discuss, oh, this is the Yabukita cultivar, or this is the Asatsuyu cultivar, this is the Saimidori cultivar, it is a tea plant that has been taken by human hands and been propagated to keep that specific gene within that plant. So uh, when we say, when you go to a tea farm and you go, all these leaves, oh, they're, look at these different leaves. Well, chances are they're all clones. They're all the exact same tree being Yabukita, and they're harvested for their specific uh, qualities that that, that Yabukita possesses. Uh, in this case, uh, Yabukita is so popular because it's frost-resistant, it uh, has a good yield, there's a lot of, when the farmer goes to harvest it, you could say per square meter, uh, it, it harvests X amount, and that's really good for the, uh, for the farmer so they can, get a, they can have more to sell and more to process, it has a great aroma, a really nice taste, so the Japanese really like their green tea, they like that umami, that... Uh, all those healthy um, Indians, those proteins. Uh, so the Abikita gives that. Am I missing anything there, Ricardo? Do, uh, do you have anything to draw in? I'm pretty sure I got um, most of it. Yeah, you got most of it. Uh, something I want to add is that people often confuse uh, cultivar with variety. Yes. And it, it turns out that there's two main varieties of the tea plant. One is Camellia sinensis, variety sinensis which is the Chinese one. And then there's the Assamica variety that's found in India and Sri Lanka. Yeah. And those are the two main varieties, and all the cultivars come out out of those two. It's a big swirl of crossbreeding and, for lack of a better word, genetic modification, not in the sense of gene splicing, but the sense that that tea smells nice and that tea over there is a strong root system, so I'm going to breed them together and get this super awesome plant and then I'm going to name it Tea Plant Awesome, and now it's the awesome cultivar. And I'm going to only keep that by cutting off little leaves and growing them into the same tree, which is called cloning. And then we're going to have a whole tea field of awesome, to put in yeah. layman's terms. Yes, that's essentially what they're doing, um, uh, what a cultivar is. And like you said, the variety is a lot of variety in plants is different based on geographics. So we have, for instance, in Canada, we have... Um, maple trees and that's a certain variety but in Japan they would have a different um, uh, maple tree so that'd be a different variety and uh, such is the difference of variety cultivar specifically what we're dealing with today is the uh, human intervention and propagation of the plant and Ricardo take us away what uh, cultivars are we covering today okay so we're going to talk about obviously Yabukita because it's, it's the most popular in Japan the Yabukita and there's another two that are also popular, but not as much. One is the Sayama Kaori. Uh, Sayama Kaori. And the other one is Oku Midori. Oku Midori. And, and apart, apart from those two, there's another one that's it's not as popular, but, but it's getting a lot of attention. Um, it's called the, the Benifuki tea cultivar. Uh, Benifuki. And, and it's, it's, it's special because it's a hybrid. It's, it's actually part... Sinensis part Asamica. Yes, it is actually. I'm just looking at my show notes here. Yeah, I have it marked down as a. Uh, it's a hybrid. So they've taken the Asamica, uh, which as um, for those who don't know, has a larger leaf. When you compare the uh, Camellia sinensis variety Sinensis versus the Camellia sinensis variety Asamica, the Asamica has a very larger uh, leaf. 
than the uh, sinensis. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, samica is typically made, used for making or processing into black teas, which you get from your uh, Indian teas. And the Chinese uh, variety, which would be the sinensis, uh, makes into green tea. And so with the Benifuki, which with Japan producing a lot of green tea, is interesting because with the Asamaka in there, it makes a nice black tea. But, but now they're also making green tea out of Benifuki because of, of another property that's the... It has a high concentration of methylated catechins. Yes, I was reading about that in your article. And it's it's good for for seasonal allergies. Oh, for hay fever. Yeah, but but it only works if you do it in if you make it into green tea. If it's a black tea, then it, it's not as high. Oh, okay, so that's an instance where processing changes the uh, the outcome. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So let, let's start with the with the first one with the yabukita cultivar. Yes, for sure. Before yabukita, there was there wasn't much much cultivars. It was just uh, propagated by seeds, and so they, there was a lot of. Um, it wasn't uniform. All the tea plants were a little different. So it was like a natural blend. Yeah. So when the monks first brought over their tea seeds, I forget the monk's name. I should know because he's everywhere. Um, anyways, when the monks brought over their tea <laughs> seeds, uh, they started planting. They didn't know. It. They wouldn't have known what the tea seeds would have contained. If, oh, this is uh, tea seed X. This is tea seed Y. This is tea seed, uh, tea seed A. So when they and they grew, they crossbred, they changed uh, all their genetic material, all that got mixed up. So you have a row and rows and rows of just a bunch of what they call now uh, Zyri, correct? Yeah, it's yeah. called now Zyri. Yeah. And from that, you can grab the tea plants and crossbreed them and mix them. That one there, like I said, oh, has, has a nice aroma. And that one has a, has a very nice uh, structure. It gives off a lot of new shoots. So we're going to breed them together. And then you're going to arrive slowly over the years to... Yabukita. It, it, it kind of uh, saved the Japanese tea industry because it, it was resistant to frost, which was a major problem at the time. And it had much better yield at harvest than, than all the other tea plants at the present. And also um, it really adapted, adapted to the steaming process that, that the Japanese um, were, were, were doing. Because mm, when they first, uh, the Japanese, they steam their tea to for the kill green step to stop the oxidization, whereas the Chinese were doing a lot of uh, pan frying. Both are applying heat, blows, uh, stop the um, enzymes uh, changing and reacting with oxi oxygen, oxidization. And so when the Japanese, they preferred their steaming, so the Yabukita variety was very beneficial or reacted well with that. And so that's one of the reasons why the farmers would stay with the Yabukita because it benefited from their techniques. Sure. And, and once, once it caught on, um, everyone started planting um, Yabukita in the 70s. The reason it's so popular now is, is because of back then. B because uh, uh, a tea plant can remain productive for like 30 to 45 years. So what, what we're seeing now is like th those are the old plants. And around, I don't know, maybe 2015 or something, so many of the fields are, are going to have to be renewed. But I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to still keep uh, with Yabukita or maybe something else is going to become popular. Mm, knowing the Japanese, I would imagine they'd want to stay with it just to keep with... Because uh, they got you think they got to have... 
a lot of the Japanese tea goes to the Japanese market. And over the past 40 years, everyone's been drinking for the majority of Akita. So everyone becomes more aware and familiar with the taste. So I'd imagine they'd stay with it. But yet again, you're dealing with a monoculture, whereas mono being one, there's this one culture, the Yabakita, that takes the dominance, which I'd be interesting, interested to see the results on pests and diseases that have um, become familiar with the uh, Yabakita and, and how the Yabakita is reacting. Because when you got a monoculture, one uh, culture of uh, tea plants, like anything else, uh, disease runs rampant, uh, bugs see a feast ahead of them. And they start eating all the leaves. So I'm wondering, maybe you're right. Maybe something will, maybe another cultivar will rise up and uh, change the landscape of the Japanese tea. Um, of course, I'm not in Japan right now, so I can't really <laughs> foretell what that would be. But that does give us a segue into our next uh, cultivar, which we're we going to do Okumidori or uh, Saemidori. Yeah, let's let's go into. Uh, it's actually Sayama Kaori. Oh, Sayama Kaori. Oh, okay. So I have a whole bunch of lists here. I'm trying to find. Uh, yeah, some have similar names. Yeah, which is easy, I guess, if people want to uh, ever go to your website and check out the list that you have. Uh, it's nice looking at Japanese that you can see that they, it's kind of like compound words in English. Like there's uh, Midori, 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 which is green, and yeah. so and Benny Fuki. Anything with Benny is uh, black. It's a black tea. So. For just for easy reference for people uh, maneuvering through Japanese tea cultivars. Yeah, um, so something we, we didn't talk about cultivar and and it's worth mentioning is that b besides um, which which type of tea is it most suited it, in Japan? They're also organized by at what time can they be uh, harvested? Like at what time do do the buds form? Yeah, and there, there's three three um, yeah three ways. One is the uh, was issue. It's, it's the earliest one, early budding cultivars. For example, there you have the Asatsuyu, the Saemidori, Yutakamidori. Then there's the uh, Chuse issue. That's like the normal budding, which is the, at the same time as Yabukita. And there you have Sayama Kaori, Minami Kaori. And finally, there's Bans issue which are late budding cultivars. And all the ones that have Oku in them are usually, I think all of them are Banseishu. For example, Oku Midori, Oku Yukata, and there's also Kanaya Midori in there. And what's important with this is that, let's say you're at the south of Japan. It's really hot there, so you don't have much problems with the frost damage and all that. So having a, a cultivar that, that buds earlier, it's beneficial because you, you'll have tea before anyone else. But let's say you're at the north of Japan in Hokkaido and you, you wanna you wanna protect the tea from from the cold weather. If it if it buds later, then it has more chance of, of going into into a warmer climate. So that that's one reason some cultivars are used in other regions. Uh, it's not all the same, but yeah, usually Yabukita is popular all over the place. Yeah, Yabukita typically, I guess you'd say it was set the standard. It sets the norm. And that's around April, May is when it starts to bud. And so that's when it's springtime. People can get out. People can start harvesting. And that kind of sets the tone where all other cultivars are based out of. And I like how you mentioned that, Ricardo, because it sets... Um, 
it introduces people to, okay, why are people using these cultivars? When people drink tea, it's, oh, this is tea. And of course, we, us talking about cultivars, we're really kind of getting into more of the, uh, more to the advanced knowledge of tea, uh, that why would the farmer, it's just like when farmers plant, um, I guess down, uh, in Colombia, they're, uh, planting coffee. There's different cultivars of coffee, just like up here in Canada. Uh, there's different cultivars for, uh, wheat. And so when different cultivars for corn, so people are going to, uh, plant those according to the season of when they want to, but as well, like you said, that they want harvest again early harvest that usually commends a higher price because you're you're first to the market your tea's right there and so if yeah. you can harvest your uh, tea three four days or even a week earlier than everyone else is harvesting their teas your teas are on the market just that much more quicker right so you're going to get uh higher profit margins uh you're going to be more talk of the town for so to say and so that's why farmer a farmer may want to print one cultivar over another Sure. Yeah. And we also got to remember that uh, Japan, it's, it's latitudinal. It, it's not like, I guess, I mean, I have to say Canada. We're not straight across one latitude. Japan stretches uh, north and south, right? So you you go from deep south all the way to up to Hokkaido. I mean, tea's not really planted up in Hokkaido, more uh, down south. Uh, but each cultivar is going to be different or best suited uh to a certain latitude as, it, as you go further and further and further north, starting from the south where you can plant a uh, cultivar that's going to be good in the warmer climates. But like you said, up more north past Tokyo, it starts to get snowing. It starts to get cold in the winter. So you're going to need a more frost-resistant tea, uh, which the Oku, or the, uh, Oku cultivars are very good for that, like you said, because they have a late budding. They bud late. Instead of budding on the 1st of April, they bud on the 15th. And so all the frost is gone by then. So you're, the frost doesn't kill the new leaves, so you actually uh, have a harvest. So that's why a lot of the farmers would be inclined to be using an okumidori over a yabukita, for, per se, if they want to keep their uh, an income. Uh, well, quickly going over the cultivars, um, the Sayama Kaori, is, uh, it, it comes out of, of yabukita tea plants that were just crossed naturally from seeds. So... It, it's similar to Yabukita, but it has, like, for example, um, the the leaves are, are a little bigger and thicker. It's rich in, in catechin. Sometimes it's also made into black tea. And it's good to... It's not as, as, as resistant to diseases, but it, it's good for the cold weather. Um, let, let's go to uh, Okumidori. Okumidori. As we were saying, the the ones that are called that have oku in the name are are late budding. Mm. Um, and the oku is one, a has a better yield, does it not? Yeah, I think it. Yeah. Yeah, I believe oku you get a, you get a lot more uh, uh, leaves per any given area than over the yabukita, which would be uh, a reason for choosing it. And also, um, this one is is a hybrid between yabukita and another. Tea cultivar from Shizuoka. It was just called Shizuoka Sairai number 16. It, it was meant for Sencha, but now you can see that uh, it's also being used in Gyokuro and Matcha. So sometimes what, what I think is for for people to set their Matcha and Gyokuro apart, they, they use a different cultivar. So sometimes it's not about taste or something, but it's more about ex- exclusiveness. 
That's, that's what I, I think happens sometimes. Mm, I know that, uh, for instance, Obubu, their uh, matches are used, are pr- processed from the Ujihukari uh, cultivar and the Gokuo uh, cultivar. Yeah. Those are their, the, when we all actually helped them plant the field, and that's all the tea plants that we planted were all uh, uh, Ujihukari. That's all it was. So somewhere in Japan, there's a field of all Ujihukari tea plants. So if you're ever <laughs> in Japan, uh, go and find it. And uh, I think I drew my name on a rock or something. And uh, yeah, I'll send you. Really? I'll send you a free sample if you can find it on this. On to the the Benifuki. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Because that's that's interesting. Being that, like we said, it was a uh, hybrid between a Samaka and a Yabukita. Okay. Well, it, it turns out that J- Japan uh, long ago they they exported black tea. So Benifuki was uh, it, it was being planned to to get a better uh, black tea. The the ancestor of Benifuki it's uh, it's called Benihomare, which was um, it, it was brought from it's from the Asamika variety, and it was brought yeah to make black tea from from India. Yeah, because they're selling a lot of the black tea over to England, right? Because the West was demanding a more black tea market, and I believe Japan wanted to export. And yeah. so they're starting to try and make some black tea, but I don't think it went over too, too well, because the black tea market within within Japan is quite low. But I do know of some farmers that are um, uh, trying to produce black tea. Actually, they are producing black tea, but I will, I'll get back to... Um, I'll find out because I'll ask uh, the people down over at Obubu. I know one of their neighbors has a black tea, but I don't know what cultivar he is using. So that'd be interesting to find out. I got a mission. Yeah, so what, what happened was that at the end, Japan couldn't compete with, with India and Sri Lanka. So they just stopped making black, black tea for a long time. So even now, if, if you tell a Japanese that, that they... The Japan used to export black tea. Maybe he'll say, "Are you, are you serious?" Even now, not, not so many Japanese drink uh, Japan-made black tea. No, it's all, it's a rarity. You don't, you don't even yeah. The people in Japan, the Japanese, don't know that they make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of them will just stick, so a lot of the, just stick with making green tea, right? Why why change something? Why fix something if it's not broken? Yeah. Hmm. So uh, what they did for Benifuki was they, they crossed the Benihomare one with with um, a plant called Makura CD86. And, and this plant is special because it's from the Darjeeling re- region in India, which I'm sure it'll ring a bell because it's one of the best places to make black tea. Mm, love myself some Darjeeling. Benihomare is from the Asamika, but in in Darjeeling they, they also they have the the sinensis variety. So Benifuki has it's a hybrid of, of both varieties, which lends itself. I mean, because you get the you get the benefit of the both varieties now you're mixing it because hybridization is a great thing because now they get uh, you can make black tea, you can make green tea. It's a lot more versatile, disease resistant, has a large growth range. Like you can plant the I believe you can plant the Benifuki. More or less anywhere in Japan, I think it does well. Whereas, uh, uh, where's my list here? Whereas a certain any other um, 
uh, like take the uh, say Midori. It, it can only be good in the middle region, uh, middle region where Ben Fuki is good all over Japan. So there's different benefits of uh, cultivating yeah. different uh, uh, tea plants. And Sayo Midori is also popular as a Okumiori and Sayo Midori. They're both popular for gyokuro. Yes, yes, and especially with the uh, I know Sayo Midori does uh, the Fukamushi, which is a deep steam. Do Ben Fuki benefit from a deep steam? I'm not too sure. I'm, I'm not sure if it does. It's not here in my but notes. Right now, right now, there's two uses for Benifuki. One is making Japanese black tea. And the other one is the, the one I was telling you before that was ma- making green tea that that is useful for its methylated catechin content. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not sure. It, there's not so many of that being sold in the US. I think most of it is consumed in Japan. I would imagine so. I have if I believe with the way the West is promoting all the health benefits, I think I would have heard of the uh, methylated catechins in the news at least, but I haven't. I only read about it in your article, so it's maybe only a Japanese thing for now before. I, I reviewed I reviewed one from a from a US company. It's called um, The Taste of Tea. Oh, okay. And that's the only one I've seen so far. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, I'll go check that out. Type that into my web address. Cool, cool. Uh, so I did a little, I want just because that's more or less we're running it. We're uh, closing in our time frame <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. I, like I said at the beginning, I could talk about this stuff for forever. I, I love it. I'm a passion for it. So why would it all boil, because we can talk about the benefits of um, the cultivars, but it all boils down to what I've come to as as six different reasons why a farmer would want to have a specific cultivar and that comes to the taste because each cultivar is going to impart a different taste so you got to harvest what the market demands and in the case of japan it's yabukita uh the price and sometimes they they use it as a blend like they blend it with yabukita yeah 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 oh like a different um, flavor profile i had it here i made it in the notes it wasn't the zaira i know was it the was it the seimi dori they mix with uh, Yabukita because they're quite similar or was it the Siamami? Yeah, well, Siamami there's a story. lot of, of blends like mm. um, it depends on the on the company because mm-hmm. if you don't say one field went sour one year and it's like oh we need to increase our yields so we'll just mix some of that cultivar with this cultivar because they taste the same and no one will notice the difference but we can still <laughs> <laughs> meet the demands of the market so hey it happens uh, so was it uh, so taste, price, uh, weather uh, disease, yield, and end product. Uh, by end product, I mean, do they want to make a centric yokuro, a black tea, or a matcha? And I, that's more or less the six reasons why you would want to choose a cultivar that I came up with in the past hour of research. And I may get another one, but I think that's more or less the six reasons. Would you agree? Would there be any other reason yeah, why you'd yeah, want to? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think that's more or less why you'd want to. I'm just thinking um, for street tree-wise, I'm a forester by trade, so I'm trying to think of why I would want to plant a certain tree somewhere, but I think that's more or less the same. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so thank you everyone for listening. This is, uh, we're wrapping up quick because, uh, we're, uh, Hey, we can only squeeze so much into a certain time frame, and there's no way, um, I'm going to elongate, uh, or make you wait outside the door to your office for your commute. So if you're listening to this on your commute, which I hope you do, because Hey, it's a world D podcast. It's the, uh, my Japanese green D podcast, you know, research, listen to this stuff before you go into work. And then after work, go and get yourself some green tea. And, uh, so next time you go up and get some green tea, ask the people at the counter, um, what cultivar is my green tea? See what they say. 
if you want to contact me, uh, worldtpodcast.com. That's the main uh, hosting site for all my podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at worldtpodcast. If you want to email me, tj at worldtpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my Instagram as well. I'm always posting up photos and pictures of all the different teas and the people I meet. So that's another great way to uh, contact me there. Uh, Ricardo, over to you. Oh, well, okay, TJ. Uh, thanks for for this w- wonderful interview. My pleasure. Um, it was fun to speak to you. And um, for the listeners, in, in case you don't you don't know about my blog, uh, you can head over to www.myjapanesegreentea.com. Yeah, you can see my my social media there too. So th- thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to my Japanese Green Tea podcast at www.myjapanesegreentea.com.